Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Both presidential nominees turned their attention Monday to the wildfires roaring across the West Coast. More than three million acres have burned in California so far. KQED politics reporter Katie Orr was on the tarmac as President Donald Trump landed in Sacramento to receive a wildfire briefing. She has this report. Trump has long maintained that a lack of forest management and not climate change is the primary driver behind massive wildfires on the West Coast in recent years. He reiterated that when I asked him that question as Air Force One idled in the background. I view that as number one. That's something we can do something done quickly. And when you get into climate change, well, is India going to change its ways? And is China going to change its ways? And Russia? Is Russia going to change its ways? In a briefing, Governor Gavin Newsom acknowledged better forest management would be beneficial, but also pointed to years of drought and rising temperatures as proof climate change is wreaking havoc on the environment. In his own address on climate issues across the country, Democratic nominee Joe Biden agreed wildfires are connected to the warming climate. And he said those fires can have massive ripple effects. People are not just worried about raging fires. They're worried about the air they breathe, about the damage to their lungs. Biden called Trump a climate arsonist and said four more years of him would lead to more fires, floods and storms. Biden's running mate, Senator Kamala Harris, is expected to tour a fire station in Fresno today as the Creek Fire, which has destroyed more than 200,000 acres in the Central Valley, continues to burn. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. As the president's visit here once again showed, we are not all on the same page about climate change. The science is clear. It's real. It's caused by humans. And it is making fires worse. And if you thought fires were costly, try rising sea levels. Dr. Patrick Barnard, a director of climate research at the U.S. Geological Survey, says rising sea levels could be exponentially more expensive to deal with. He and executive producer Tobin Jones have set out to show, not tell, what climate change looks like. I spoke with them about their 3D simulation of a storm surge at the end of this century, hitting Capitola on Monterey Bay. Here's Tobin Jones. The goal of this experience was to put somebody at the point of the events, so right on the beach in Capitola. So uh, we shot 360-degree video, which allows you to, uh, either with your phone or tablet or VR equipment, look around in full freedom to see the beach. And then we uh, slowly rise the sea level to what these events are going to look like over the course of the, the oncoming decades and add storm surge as well. And this is all based on data 
by uh, Dr. Barnard and the Cosmos team. Looking forward in projections um, through uh, the end of the century. Patrick, Capitola is your home. Um, what is it? What does it feel like for you to see what uh, the end of century projection is for the place that you live in right now? Yeah, well, it's startling, and there's lots of communities, though, like Capitola across California, and that's one of the reasons we used it because it's a small beach community, very low lime, which there's communities like this all over the state. We thought it was a really good example to really illustrate what this could look like, not just in Capitola, but in literally dozens of communities across California and beyond. Why do you think the way that we communicate about climate change is so important? It's a vast and daunting issue and something extremely hard to grasp. So what we were trying to do with this small event, this small experience, was make something relatable. You know, take this vast amount of, of data and make it personable to them, something they can digest. And really what we're trying to do with this experience and experiences like this is drive conversation. We want people to have shared experience and shared knowledge so then we can prime them for a conversation they can have with stakeholders and educators and then really go further and understand the, the changes that are coming to all of us. You know, as scientists, we're beginning to realize that communication is just as important as the science itself. And we haven't been as effective as we thought we were in communicating what we think are our basic fundamental findings and our understanding of climate change to the general public. We have this incredible foundation of knowledge based on thousands of scientists working across the world. This is um, really a huge body of evidence of what we can expect in the future. But, you know, we need these more cutting edge audiovisual communication techniques to make them more relatable. Climate scientist Patrick Barnard and executive producer Tobin Jones. Check out the video for yourself. It's on my Twitter page. I'm at Lily Jamali. While the search continues for a man who shot two L.A. County sheriff's deputies in their patrol car in Compton on Saturday night, the sheriff's office says the ambushed deputies are in critical but stable condition this morning. Shortly after the shooting, sheriff's deputies arrested a reporter, Josie Huang, from our partner station KPCC. The sheriff's office says she did not clearly identify herself as a member of the press, although video footage contradicts that account. L.A. County Supervisor Mark Ridley-Thomas, whose district includes the site of the deputy shooting, says there could be movement this week on an independent investigation into Huang's arrest. We cannot have that manner of lawlessness on the streets of Los Angeles. It will not be abided, nor will the violation of the rights of journalists. And so we take a stand against both instances that may seem to be contradictory, they are not. You can have rights respected in terms of civil liberties, and you can essentially insist on uh, safety and communities. Both should coexist rather comfortably. South L.A. has seen weeks of protests following recent shootings by sheriff's deputies of two men of color. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled that the Trump administration can end humanitarian protections for more than 400,000 immigrants nationwide, paving the way for their deportation. KQED's Farida Javala Romero spoke with two moms who, along with their daughters, sued in 2018 so their families could stay together in the U.S. Cristina Morales is a teaching assistant in the Bay Area city of San Pablo. She's originally from El Salvador and has lived most of her life here. 
She was reading a book to her second graders over Zoom when she got a text. The court had ruled against her and others with temporary protected status, or TPS. I feel angry. I feel frustrated. That fear of being separated from your family is it's so real, it's so painful. TPS holders from El Salvador, Haiti, Honduras, Nepal, Nicaragua, and Sudan would lose the protections as early as next year. For Wilna Destin, a plaintiff from Haiti who lives in Florida, the decision came as a shock. She says she recently recovered from COVID-19 and now is getting ready for approaching hurricanes. We have coronavirus, we have hurricane, we have this, that, you know. And now, for me, it's another disaster for the TPS. It's not fair for us and it's very sad. Plaintiff attorneys say they'll seek a review from a larger panel of judges at the Ninth Circuit. A spokesman with U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services says the agency is reviewing the decision. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. As we look ahead to the election, young voters are more likely to have their vote-by-mail ballots rejected. That's according to a new study of votes in Sacramento, San Mateo, and Santa Clara counties. KQED's Guy Marzarati has more. As California prepares to mail every voter a ballot this fall, the issue of ballot rejections is a rising concern. Over the last decade, an average of 1.7 percent of mail ballots have been rejected, says Kim Alexander, president of the California Voter Foundation, which released the study. The problem of ballot rejection is evidence of the fact that we don't have widespread fraud, because the reason we have ballot rejection is precisely because ballots that arrive too late don't get counted. Ballots that aren't postmarked by election day don't get counted. Uh, People who forget to sign their envelopes, those ballots don't get counted. The study found voters under age 25 more likely to have their ballots rejected. In San Mateo and Santa Clara, the top reason for rejection was ballots being returned, postmarked, or arriving too late. In Sacramento, it was issues with voter signatures. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. Turning to tech news, some Republican politicians stand accused of seizing on a new law signed by Governor Gavin Newsom late last week as an opportunity to rally QAnon believers. Senior editor Rachel Myro has more from the KQED Silicon Valley desk. State Senator Scott Weiner of San Francisco has had a bad summer, above and beyond the pandemic and the recession and the wildfires. 
Yeah, I mean, I, and I just got doxxed again, apparently on Reddit. So it keeps happening and gotten, I don't know, 500,000 death threats. Doxing is internet parlance for posting someone's private details, like a home address. Wieners alerted law enforcement, but... You know, when you're a mayor or a governor, you have round-the-clock security. Legislators don't. Wiener woke up on the dark side of the internet after he wrote a bill modernizing California's statutory rape law. SB 145 expanded judicial review of whether some offenders should be left off the sex offender registry. Think back to high school. An 18-year-old having consensual sex with a 16-year-old may be upsetting to the parents, but there's an argument to be made that 18-year-old doesn't belong on the sex offender registry. The bill was sponsored by the L.A. County DA's office. It is a righteous bill uh, supported by civil rights organizations and law enforcement and sexual assault survivor organizations, and it's it's a bill that will end a huge inequity that is destroying the lives of young LGBTQ people. Up until now, the statute only allowed for judicial review when the offender engaged in vaginal sex with a minor. Now there's review regardless of the type of sex act. So why the death threats against Wiener? A number of Republicans at the state and federal level began claiming on social media that Wiener, and by extension all Democrats, meant to legalize pedophilia. The claims have continued now that the bill is law. They're normalizing pedophilia. It's not just Hollywood and Netflix. This is now becoming mainstream Democrat groupthink. It's insanity, and we must stop it. That's a KQED colleague reading a tweet from Donald Trump Jr. for Monday. Seth Brisk is with the Anti-Defamation League, which closely follows all types of hate speech. He says pedophilia is a dog whistle to QAnon believers, loosely focused around the theory President Trump is fighting a host of pedophiles in government. This issue is really, it's not about the bill itself. And in certain respects, it's not even about Scott Wiener. Brisk says Wiener would be a target of QAnon even if he weren't a gay Jewish Democrat running for re-election in San Francisco. The larger problem, Brisk says, is the normalization of violence in political discourse. An elected official, it's sort of part and parcel of the job to be subjected to some form of criticism or critique. But severe harassment, Uh, Threats of violence, uh, death threats in American society, uh, that's something that we should learn to tolerate and accept. But Wiener wouldn't be the first California lawmaker to find himself the target of weaponized misinformation. And given the current tenor of American politics, he's unlikely to be the last. For The California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. That's The California Report for this Tuesday, September 15th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Support for The California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 770 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement, and two chairs, offering evidence-based therapy throughout California by matching individuals with one of their licensed therapists for virtual sessions. Learn more at twochairs.com. 
Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.